What's up, everyone? It's State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. Uh, it's me, Benjamin Klon. We also got Zachary Reinhardt. Hey. And Matthias Bremer. Hello. And joining us today in studio, we have Solomon Rajput. Hey, guys. How's it going? I said that right, didn't I? Yep, Solomon Rajput. Okay, great. Uh, Solomon is a, he's an organizer, he's a med school student, and he is running to challenge Debbie Dingle for uh, her seat in Congress representing Michigan's 12th Congressional District, which is very, very exciting. So uh, thanks for being here, Solomon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Well, I guess uh, just to start things off, why don't you tell our listeners who you are, where you're, where you're from, and why, uh, why you're running for Congress. For sure, for sure. So again, my name is Solomon Rajput. I'm uh, running for Congress in Michigan's 12th district for the United States. Um, I grew up in Ann Arbor. I am a current student, a medical student at the University of Michigan, but I'm taking a leave of absence to run because I think that the issues in our nation that we're facing are way too urgent to wait for our politicians to decide to do something about. I'm running because I believe that the political royalty in this country has absolutely failed us. We have the biggest problems that this country has ever faced, but all that establishment can do is offer up the smallest possible solutions. And they haven't, and that kind of thinking hasn't gotten us anywhere during my entire lifetime, and it's certainly not about to work now. We know that putting Band-Aids on our uh, fundamentally broken systems isn't going to work anymore, and we need to go out there and uh, change it because we're done waiting on the politicians to go out and change it when they're not. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I understand that... Uh Debbie Dingle and her, like Debbie Dingle and a member and a member of her family have uh, held this seat in Congress for what, like the last eighty years? Yeah, eighty-five years. Yeah. So yeah. taking her on is going to be a pretty big challenge. Where is the twelfth district? Great question. Because of this Thank beautiful you. thing called <laughs> no problem. <laughs> because of this beautiful thing called gerrymandering. We have a very strangely shaped district. It's Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti. Dearborn and also an area called Downriver. Okay. Yeah. Never heard of Downriver. Yeah, Downriver is a collection of um, smaller towns. I know some uh, Bernie folk out there, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a decently progressive area. Yeah. I mean, the whole district is a very progressive district. Yeah, it's going to be like a, a, a primary situation. The The general is not going to matter so much. It's going to be mostly about yeah. like whoever wins the primary will kind of like a AOC, uh, New York 14 kind of situation. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a very progressive district. So it's totally the kind of situation where um, whoever wins primary ends up winning the general election in this area. Um, and that's part of the reason actually why people are pretty confused as to why Congresswoman Dingle right now is not the progressive champion that her district wants her to be because she has nothing to lose. Um, you know, this district uh, went to Bernie Sanders. This district, uh, Abdul did really well here. Gretchen Wimmer only got 45% of the vote here. Um, so, you know, the progressives do really well in this district. They're the majority. And um, we don't need we don't need to be acting as if this is a Republican district that we just took back in the 2018 blue wave. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And with the, with the way we have gerrymandering now, we might as well have as many strong progressive blue, you know, those strong blue progressive, uh, districts need to be the stalwarts that are pulling the conversation left because they're able to, you know, you say like, you know, like, uh, a a Slotkin, uh, or, or, um, even a Haley Stevens, for instance, their district is, uh, you know, a little bit more challenging in that regard. But yeah, yeah, uh, if you're in a, um, I mean, I can only imagine that, uh, 
that district's probably D plus 10 in the Cook Report. I mean, it's like a very, very blue district. Oh, it's very blue. It might even be more than that. Yeah. I'm assuming, or I guess, do you support uh, Medicare for all, single payer healthcare? Oh, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. You know, as you're in your med student, yeah. so I'm sure you, you know, yeah. have like a lot of uh, firsthand knowledge and, you know, you're seeing it. Um, but uh, I was going to ask you, like, you know, uh, obviously this district in, in, in uh, Dingle has always been, you know, the uh, uh, late. Uh, uh, former congressman yeah. was always a champion of yeah. Medicare for all. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was just wondering, like, what what do you want to do to like continue on with his legacy, uh, assuming you uh, win or if you're to win? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I respect everything that um, Congressman Dingle uh, did for our district and also for being a champion for Medicare for all. Um, but I'm running against Congresswoman Debbie Dingle. Uh, yes. Right. And mm-hmm. so we know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, so I am wanting to focus on the areas that I care about as a progressive that unfortunately um, I don't see reflected in our current representation. So um, we need to enact a Green New Deal to fight climate change. We need to make sure that um, college is free for everyone who wants to attend, then that we eliminate student debt. And right now, Medicare for all, um, with what Bernie Sanders is proposing, I absolutely love. And I also really appreciate that we want, uh, that we should eliminate medical debt because, um, so many people in this country have to declare bankruptcy for the debt that they've been put into. And I've yeah, seen that. Medical as a- debt accounts for, I think over half of bankruptcies filed. Mm-hmm. It's like 500,000, yeah, in America. Yeah, there are 500,000 Americans every year, mm-hmm. which is preposterous. And, like, we see how crazy, as a, as a medical student, I see how um, unfortunate our current healthcare system is. We have to tell people all the time, like, we know exactly what to do for them, but we can't give them the treatment that they need because their health insurance doesn't cover it. And so doctors are trying to, like, bend over backwards. And, like, ev- doctors say every day you need to go in ready to fight. You need to re- like go and ready mm. to fight for the like against the insurance companies for your patients, and I mean it really puts doctors in between like a rock and a hard place. I have, we had one we had one situation where there was a doctor who was seeing a patient who was dying of metastatic cancer. That patient came to their appointment. Um, turns out they had lost their health insurance. The doctor freaked out and was like, "What are you doing here? We can't see you." And the do- the patient was like. Well, I'm dying of cancer. Can you please like help me? I have cancer. I literally have cancer. (laughs) Yeah, you have like patients coming in begging for their lives, basically. Yeah, and the doctor's saying, well, I I mean, you don't understand. Like, if I were to do everything that you needed, if I were to run all of the tests and all of the imaging and give you the treatment and the chemotherapy that you need, you would be in tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt um, overnight. Like, it would not be ethical. It would not be worth it. So, like... Pretend I didn't see you today. Go figure out how to get some health insurance to come back. I'll take care of you, but that's the best that I can do. And that was like the doctor trying to do the best thing that he could do in that moment. So mm. it's really hard for doctors, you know, and we have to see that all the time. And it's complete. And everyone, I can tell you that everyone on the inside thinks that the system is broken. Mm. Too bad that she wasn't a corporation and she could just file for bankruptcy and make that shit go away. <laughs> like <laughs> Donald <only>. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's super fucked up. I mean, like. The best, like, as a doctor, the best thing I can do for you is not treat you. Yeah. 
uh, you know, you're already fighting like a, you know, obviously in that situation, like a terminal illness and like you have, you know, you're fighting that and then you also have to like fight with insurers oh, and like absolutely. all, uh, it's just ridiculous. Well, I mean, but you know, that the debt might not be a big issue in that situation. Yeah. Then. I mean, like you're, yeah, a, but your family might have to pay it off, yeah, which is yeah. actually really crazy. Cause we had, a, yeah, that is insane. Yeah. It's actually insane. I was talking to someone who is a student at Eastern 19 year old woman. She was talking about how her mom um, was getting sicker and sicker, but uh, she was like, I can't see a doctor because I can't afford it because we don't have health care. And then, like, they waited until it was, um, like, a huge crisis, yeah. went to see the doctor. Unfortunately, it was – the pr- disease had progressed um, to a point where they there was nothing that could be done. Um, her mom died, and then the family had to pay for the medical bills for years after. So, I mean, like, this is – it's so broken, it's hard to even, like, wrap your mind around it. Yeah, I mean, with with <clears throat> so um, definitely going to be a champion for Medicare for all. Uh, what other things would you say differ from like you and Dingle in terms of like um, your politics versus her politics? Yeah, for sure. So my number one issue is climate change because, and actually, when I was thinking about, well, you know, um, as a medical student, I uh, was I'm two years into medical school and now I'm taking a leave of absence to run. Um, so and I'm running against you know Congresswoman Debbie Dingle. She is part of an 85-year-old dynasty, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, a big reason why I ultimately did that was because um, of climate change. And, like, we can't wait on that issue. And I, uh, if I were to finish medical school and then do all of the training that a doctor needs to do afterwards, that's five or six years down the road before I'll be a full-fledged doctor. Well, everyone knows that we only have 10 or 12 years left before we run out of time on climate change and reach a point of no return and are on the path of catastrophic, irreversible warming. And if, unfortunately, Congresswoman Dingell is not going to be the champion on climate change that we need, then I felt like, well, someone needs to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm like an organizer and I have a lot of political experience and I care deeply about this issue. So I was like, well, maybe I'll do it. Sure. But yeah, so climate change um, and the Green New Deal. And, you know, um, many activists have been in her office uh, week in, week out, begging her, pleading with her, asking her, Please support the Green New Deal. Like, and this is this the the thing is at this point the Green New Deal it's not like a fringe idea. It has no. It has a lot of support. It now. has a lot yeah. of support. It has a lot of co sponsors, and um, and this is a progressive district. So the it's just like such a confusing situation. Like, why why aren't you supporting it? You right. know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's so fundamental to everyone, um, especially us young people. You know, like it's the rest of our lives, right? Right. And I'm thinking, like, I want to have a family, you know? And I know a lot of young people who don't want to have families now because they feel like it's unethical to bring a kid in this world. But I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm one of them, honestly. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to bring another person into the world knowing what the future lies ahead of us with, you know. Which is If terrible. we continue on this comparison. I mean, when we, when we start, you know, uh, going to war and killing each other over clean water, I don't want a child slowing me down. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's- uh, you something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had like um, in uh, I think it was India because they had like the, uh, such bad air pollution currently that they were selling like fresh oxygen. That was like a thing that was happening. So it's like it's just like an, uh, it's a sign uh, of like what capitalism. Was, what yeah. will happen? <laughs> we are literally selling air. Oh man, that's like from some Lorax stuff. You yeah. know yes. what I mean? Or like like space balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Satire is dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah. You you talk about. Uh, 
you know, how you uh, support a Green New Deal. Yeah. What I'm curious about is you, there is still a fair amount of ambiguity sure. around what a Green New Deal is, what mm-hmm. it means. So I'm curious, uh, in your conception of a Green New Deal, what are the proposals or programs that would be fundamental to yeah. make sure that it, you know, yeah. is, it works and it's worthwhile. Absolutely. So what is the Green New Deal, right? It's just right now in the, uh, like, what have people signed on to? It's a 14 page long non-binding resolution saying this is the goal. This is a, we want to have a just transition to a renewable energy future where we create millions of good paying green energy union jobs in order to quickly mobilize our country away from fossil fuels and onto renewable energy. So it's simply just a statement of a goal, and then we can create the policies to get there. So to have a, uh, to not put your name on a non-binding resolution, it's like very concerning because then what are you going to put your name on when it comes yeah. time to make real policies? Mm-hmm. And so what are some of those? Well, Bernie Sanders has actually released a really robust Green New Deal plan, which is definitely setting the bar in terms of the presidential candidates right now. Um, and he talks about a lot of awesome things, right? I mean, like we certainly need to invest more in solar and wind. We need to make it easier for people to buy electric vehicles. We need to create an electric vehicle infrastructure in this country because a lot of people right now, they're thinking like, where the heck am I going to go charge this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as if you were to have a, ca- a gas car and not have any gas stations nearby, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to retrofit our buildings to make sure that they're energy efficient as well. And we need to invest in mass transit because when it comes down to it, the reason that we have a country where you need a car in order to get anywhere is because we have policies that have created that. And that's not the way that everything needs to be. In other countries, there are um, very effective mass transit systems, which are much more energy efficient, um, much more uh, friendly to the environment, um, because they've built their cities uh, to, around that idea. So we need to start implementing some of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of that. I know if there was like a, a high-speed rail that was, um, you know, like cost, uh, uh, you know, relatively cheap, you know, and you could move from like, you know, Lansing or Chicago or Detroit in just a time span of like an hour or so, like that would be amazing. And I think it would bring, I think it actually bring people together in a way like it would, um, just because like traveling would be so much uh, more easy for oh, people and, and, and definitely for uh, low income people. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, you know, it's easy to... It, Owning a car is expensive. Yes. Owning a car in Detroit is like insane. Like you yeah. just can't, like it, it just costs way too much money in oh, terms of the auto insurance, yeah. like the registration and all of that. Like, you know, the gas. And, gas is expensive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, and that's something that's not, it's not, it's not nearly as stable as like wind and solar would be. So like, you know, if, if, if we're enjoying, somewhat i mean it's still not cheap but cheaper gas prices i mean that's not going to last forever i mean it's eventually going to go up four mm-hmm. five six seven dollars a gallon eventually if we don't start to make these shifts uh soon yeah for sure so yeah and the I like great thing idea. is if we have electric vehicles and if we are producing a ton of clean energy from solar and wind which is uh, a cheap source of energy you know um mm-hmm. and if the government is also help subsidizing that then uh, it'll be cheaper to run your electric vehicle than to run a gas-powered car, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and they're good jobs. Uh, <clears throat> I have a, a buddy who, uh, his name's Adam, he works up in the Thumb area yeah. on a, a wind farm. And, uh, yeah, he gets paid $50,000 a year, pretty decent. Um, yeah. He's uh, in a union. He's got uh, full benefits. So it's like these are some good jobs as well that can be offered to these people. Yeah. Where um, you know, And especially in, and it helps in those rural areas where, uh, you know, there's a, 
a big move from people moving from rural areas to urban centers because they can't find work. They don't want to take over family farms. But if there are these like um, wind jobs and things like that in the area, I think that can really uh, help keep people um, in rural centers and or rural areas uh, as opposed to urban centers. So, um, yeah, uh, I was going to ask you, because obviously you said that the uh, district includes Dearborn. Yeah. So what's um, what's uh, Debbie Dingle's like stance? I guess I'm not too familiar with it mm-hmm. um, on like uh, Palestinian rights and like yeah. the conflict going on. It's over actually there. so interesting because just a few days after I um, launched my campaign, um, Unfortunately, Congresswoman Dingle took her name off of a bill uh, called H.R. 2407, which would um, simply be advocating for the rights of Palestinian children. It was essentially saying we don't want to um, help fund any activities by any uh, organization or institution or government that would be compromising the rights of the children of Palestine. So like not putting them in detention centers, not, you know, inciting violence towards them. Um, pretty simple idea, pretty reasonable idea. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Congresswoman Dingell had put her name on it, but then she took her name off of it, actually. So, um, and it, it really caused a lot of uh, um, disappointment among mm-hmm. the people of Dearborn. And they definitely was like a very palpable sense of like betrayal. So... It's, um, it's, so on that issue, um, I think people are, um, saddened yeah. on her stance. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, sad to hear. Because, yeah, you know, the deer, because Dearborn is the biggest Muslim population center in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like if you guys have been to Dearborn, it is a, it's a whole other world. It's super cool. It's oh yeah. Like, I, I yeah. love Dearborn actually. It's, it's a, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean like it really speaks to the diversity of this part of um, Michigan as well mm-hmm. as like of yeah. this district. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the um, people in Dearborn and in that area have uh, family and relatives over in Palestine too. So oh, it's like, a, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Congressman uh, Rashida Tlaib, for instance, you know, or yeah. one of our Congresswomen have yeah. like family in Palestine. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like uh, to, to be, uh, to not be able to take a stand as simple as uh, advocating for Palestinian children. That's disappointing. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on uh, the United States relationship to Israel? You know, the way that I think about it is that you can criticize a country's policies without being totally against that country. You know, we do that kind of thing all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like it's super weird how people frame this discussion as like, oh, if you uh, disagree with how of the Israel Israeli treatment of Palestinians, that all of a sudden you're completely against that entire country, you know, or that like, you're an anti-Semite or you're an anti-Semite like, you know, um, as a Muslim person. I'll tell you, no one has ever been saying that if you criticize a Muslim country, all of a sudden you're Islamophobic, you know, like that that doesn't happen. That never happens. Mm -mm. So um, I think that like, I I also just don't even think of this as a matter of religion or whatever, you know, Uh, the Israelis could be Muslim and then the Palestinians could be Jewish and I have the same exact stance because it's just a matter of there's an oppressed group of people who are having violence happening to them from a much more powerful group um, and that are taking their land and putting them in these very oppressive conditions. So I just think it's just, a, it's just a simply a human rights issue. That's all yeah. It is. It's a human rights issue for sure. And the, you know, it, the interesting thing is, is there's a lot of parallels to uh, what happened in South Africa mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. Um, Oh yeah. The, the, the way that the tactics that were used, you know, for like South Africa were like boycotts and, and things like that, uh, basically like BDS. And, and it's interesting that like, um, 
seeing how successful that was there, how much of a backlash there is against using it for this situation. Um, Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when you're fighting for uh, basic human rights, like, all methods are on the table. I mean, you gotta, you gotta try. So not all nonviolent, all nonviolent uh, methods. methods. Yeah. All methods are on the table, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we got our parentheses nonviolent. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah. seriously, I mean, when you're American, when you're American imperialist, all methods are on the table, and we've yeah. seen what the consequence is of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's why we're still in war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it really helps the human rights violations situation. You know, when you just knock out a government and leave destabilize <laughs> an entire region. Like, hey, we're going to kind of be your government now. We're kind of be your uh, police force now. So you're going to kind of see us forever. And you sell them a bunch of arms first, too. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And, and, but don't worry about your oil. <laughs> we'll take really good care of it. <laughs> yeah. We'll take this off your hands. Yeah, you're welcome. It looks a little heavy. <laughs> That's like the one like uh, like silver lining I think to like the Trump administration is like it it's pulled like the mask off because like you know like now they just like literally come out and say like oh we're just going to war for oil yeah. like you know before they would try to like <laughs> say we're doing it for freedom or you know some other like yeah, um, yeah fucking bullshit answer fucking freedom John fries, Bolton baby. fucking John Bolton just getting up there and just straight up saying yeah I mean this coup in Venezuela like uh, be really good for our oil companies <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> saying the quiet God. parts out loud yeah. Uh, earlier in this episode, you had uh, kind of jokingly shouted out uh, capitalism. And so I'm wondering, uh, do you identify as a socialist uh, or a democratic socialist, Marxist-Leninist, anarcho-communist? I'm just curious. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I'm like, I personally am not really just much of a labels person. Uh-huh. Like, I just am like, what are the, I think the things that it's important to, it's, it's all about like, what are you fighting for? You know? Um it's just not something that's that important to me. But, uh, I mean, I, the things that democratic socialists stand for, I find that I stand for too. The things that, um, the progressive left stands for, I feel like I stand for. So I just feel like I have a lot of overlap, um, among that, those like types of people. I think there's, uh, certain advantages to dropping labels and just talking about issues. Mm -hmm. Cause, uh, you know, if you go up and you, you know, you throw that label out there first, it just puts up a wall immediately yeah. if they're, yeah. they're like not on board with that label. You but know? people are yeah. like, oh, but then if you go out there and you're like, you know what? I'm really about trying to tackle climate change, the Green New Deal, making college free, eliminating student debt, you know, making sure everyone is healthcare in this country so that you can see a doctor if you're sick and that you don't die if you're poor. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that's what we talk that about. That message wins over a lot of people that, uh, yeah. I mean, the media definitely doesn't re- uh, realize, but um, like, you know, it can... Uh, it's a pretty salient message across demographics. Yeah. And like, I literally say all of those things when I'm on, on doors, when we're knocking on doors and everything. And people are like, yeah, you know, they're like we got on yeah. a flyer on the, on the backside of a flyer. It just says like those four things. It's getting big money out of politics, finding climate change, green new deal, making college free, eliminating student debt and making sure everyone has healthcare through Medicare for all people. Like when they see all of those things are like, yes, 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 yes. Okay. I'm on board. And you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, people want to know what you're fighting for, mm-hmm. like how it's going to improve their lives. Well, yeah. I mean, um, recently in an interview, um, uh, Mehdi Hassan asked Elon Omar, do you identify as a democratic socialist? And she, she basically said the same thing. You know, I, uh, I'm, I want to focus on the issues because I already have enough labels being put on me. I mean, as like a Muslim wom- woman yeah. who wears a hijab, like right. she, you know, she's already being bombarded with tons of labels and all the connotations that come with them. Um, so I definitely understand the hesitancy to, you know, want to add another one of them. 
I just think like, you know, what unites us is our common struggle. You know, like yeah, the fact that we all have, like, especially as younger people, a lot of us are in debt from getting an education, an education that for many people did not provide the opportunities they thought. A lot of us have struggled with trying to pay for healthcare in this country. Yeah. A lot of us are scared for our future when it comes to climate change, you know, and we're, and you know what, honestly, the thing is, this is a, such a, like, people are always loving to say, we're, a, we're our country's so divided, like, we're so divided, but no, like, the when we're looking at progressive policies, we have such broad support for these issues, and doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, you want to get the influence of corporations out of our political yeah, the only <clears throat> The only division yeah. that we currently have is between the people and the people that are representing us. Absolutely. There's not a division amongst the people. Yeah, for so. real, for real. Just recently, um, former President Barack Obama uh, warned uh, Democratic candidates against uh, going too far left and that we have to be uh, rooted in reality. What do, you, what do you think about that? I wish that there was a visual right now so people could see me rolling my eyes. <laughs> because, um, uh, look, you know, we've tried it. We did it. You know, mm. we did this whole corporate centrist thing where we're like, mm, let's not do that much. Let's all be realistic. And we got Donald Trump, mm. you know. So uh, the, the thing is... Um, It'd be one thing, it would be 100% different if this incrementalism actually was producing results. Yeah. I mean, I've been on this earth for 27 years, you know, and like, it's not that long, but it's also like not that short. I should have been able to see, there should have been able to see some kind of change over the course of my lifetime. Maybe a little little bit of hope, maybe a little bit of change. Yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, that reminds me of something. (laughs) Since you were born, we we went from, we went from bombing like two countries to like seven. So, I mean, that's a, that's a change. Yeah. I stand corrected. (laughs) Back to the center we go. (laughs) But the, probably the biggest domestic change was Obamacare. And that's, you know, a very... Formerly Romney care. It's a very, Mm -hmm. very neoliberal thing. Mm -hmm. It's very market-driven. Yeah. Wasn't it the uh, Heritage Foundation that uh, originally drafted the original concept? I have no idea. I'm mistaken. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Well, the thing is, when we think about Obamacare... So, so yes, (laughs) they did. I know that as a fact. (laughs) (laughs) But I was saying, so when we we think about Obamacare, you know... um, Passed almost 10 years ago, healthcare is still the single biggest issue to Americans today, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, at some point, we have to address healthcare in a way where it's not going to be the single most important issue to Americans yeah. because it's been addressed. It's uh, you are talking about earlier, you know, we can't continue to put Band-Aids on these yeah. big issues. And that's just one of those Band-Aids is an example of it. And. You know, I have this, like, there's, uh, there's always this, you know, there's a, like, big fight kind of going, going, going on in the party right now between, like, the, uh, public option and Medicare for mm-hmm. all. And, it's, like, for me, I, you know, like, I think there's like some people that believe that, you know, if, if we fight for a public option that somehow that will be more palatable to like conservative Democrats or like Republicans <laughs> when, when the reality is, is like there's regardless of public option or Medicare for all, you're going to have to fight like hell for it. Like there's no, it's not just going to, they're not just going to give it to us like regardless of public option or not. So like, why not go for what really fixes the situation? Oh yeah. No. Right. And you know, <clears throat> my biggest complaint about public option, public option that a lot of people don't talk about is that it creates the situation that we have currently with our school systems. When you have a public and a private option, then you, you offload certain people onto the public system. And then, you know, like, 
the like right now currently they're they're depleting public schools and that would happen with the public option they would, it would be depleted because the way that they would do it is a lot of people that would be in the public option would be the high cost patients mm-hmm. and cuz the the insurance companies are going to deny them they're not going to want them mm-hmm. because that's not profitable for them so it creates a situation that's similar in like the charter schools and i, I don't know why people don't really get further into that. Cause we've saw it we, we, in Michigan, definitely with uh, Betsy DeVos, we've seen the destruction of uh, the school systems through charters. So no, a thousand percent. And when we th- like, when we think about um, ultimately what is our goal, it's to make sure that everyone has healthcare in this country and mm-hmm. that nobody will um, die if they're uh, poor or if they're, mm-hmm. if their job doesn't decide to give them healthcare or, you know, if they like lose their job or whatever. And, um, and what we also know is that the, that so many other countries have been able to figure this out. Why do we keep having to think of these creative new so, um, very technocratic solutions, technocratic solutions that creates like a way more bureaucracy? Yeah, like absolutely. The, and, and that's another problem within the system is like it's it takes, you know, sometimes hours out of your day and week to try to navigate the system. It's like ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, many doctors are leaving the profession because... Um, it's become insane. Like people are dissuading people to go to medical school because uh, like um, they just think that being a doctor now and having to deal with all of the administrative nonsense, just complete like crap is just so onerous. Yeah. I mean, it's not why people get into medicine. Yeah. The reason to get into medicine is to take care of people, not to take care of paperwork. Yeah, 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 exactly. And people are spending half their days doing paperwork now. It's like terrible. Yeah, I can believe that. I, you know, I remember that when they were talking about Obamacare in the beginning, it was like, this is a step towards something really, you know, revolutionary. Um, you know, if if not just outright, this is a step towards like a universal healthcare system, like, uh, you know... They have in all over Europe, um, everywhere. But, but you know, they took those the step, and then they stopped fucking walking. Um, and you know, that's... we only have so many steps that can like in our unfortunate political system right now. You know, it's not like an incrementalist thing where you take like thirty five steps. You like take one step every once in a while, and it should be a big one, mm-hmm. um, right. right? Like because it takes a lot of time to build the political will and momentum in order to get something and get the people in office to go and get there to go uh, have something go for a vote. And especially right. yeah, you if see you it. have to, if you can't break the filibuster, then you're just totally fucked, anyways. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is you're gonna need that public support. And let's be real, how many marches have we seen? for a public option we haven't yeah you know? right there's exactly. marches for medicare for yeah, all yeah. there's not like marches for that's a good uh, line you know yeah, a, a, a milk uh milk toes yeah milk toes um climate plan either <laughs> yeah it's like there are people out there fighting for a green new deal oh, 100%. so like toast. get behind yes Get and behind I, these bold ideas what do we that people want? are behind. Subtle change. Yeah. When do we want it? Eventually. <laughs> we want a 10-year plan. <laughs> yeah. 10 years is like short for the like, incrementalist. You know, it's like we're going to have an 85-year plan and we're not going to yeah. do anything for 70 years. And then <laughs> year 70 will reevaluate. <laughs> but I want to just bring back to the point that you're talking about because I keep thinking, like, I keep trying to say this, but I keep forgetting. Um, it's like. How many votes did Obamacare get despite making so many concessions? How many Republican votes did Obamacare get despite making so many concessions to Republicans? Zero. Zero. You know, so 
why do we keep making these concessions when it's not ultimately the idea is like let's make the concessions to then get more votes, but they're not producing any more votes. No. Didn't it didn't get them Merrick Garland. Exactly. Um, you know, so maybe Obama should stop offering advice on something that he kind of screwed the pooch on after he chose not to you know, follow through with a lot of the rhetoric that actually got him elected. The people who got him elected yeah. who are now too far left for him. Well, I think, so, you know, I mean, it was just a different time, too. Like, Bernie Sanders really hadn't, like, come on the scene in the way that, like, he has in terms of just galvanizing the public to insist that we can do what needs to be done. And mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. I think, like, you know, I mean, I certainly... Obamacare but, did get that whole now everyone can be on their parents insurance until 26 Medicaid expansion like no pre-existing conditions yeah. I mean it's definitely better than not having Obamacare but um, but at the same time like times are different now you know yeah. now people are like why not we can't just keep living like this mm-hmm. you know especially when all these other countries can do this and we're just playing catch up and that is why this is not the radical um, approach here what's radical is insist that we remain backwards mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know i do agree with you that things have changed quite a bit but i also think it's important to remember that obama ran in 2008 and more or less in 2012 he ran on as a universal tran- single payer universal single payer yeah. he, he, he ran as a transformational <clears throat> candidate things were going to change and then when he got the chance he looked around and he was like well we'll work with what's here and you know that's that's it. You know, that's in two thousand six, in two thousand six, he fucking stumped for Bernie. He stumped for Bernie when he was running for Congress yeah. and told everyone how much how great Bernie was. You know how much he agreed with him and how Bernie was not like every other politician. And he's right about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was right about that. Yeah, man, it's I, it's a shame that uh, that guy isn't president. I know. <laughs> um, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Where do you stand on impeachment? Well, where oh, every God. sensible person with half a brain lobe should um, <laughs> should stand, which is we definitely need to impeach. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, at this point, what more facts do we need? That we have their own transcript yeah. of the Ukraine conversation that they provided, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah. that in and of itself, imagine, imagine Obama having that conversation, you know. Oh, like God. we would have, they would have impeached him. Like bye years bye, ago. <laughs> bye bye, no bye bye, honey. <laughs> Very nasty. Yeah, <laughs> bye, Felicia. Um, but <laughs> but yeah. So uh, no, we absolutely need to. Um, impeached because at this point, like, what are we doing? We're just saying that, okay, you can essentially do whatever you want yeah. as president and you've got four years before we take any action until the next election. Like, that's not how America works. Do you works. agree? Do you agree with the, with the process they're taking of just focusing on Ukraine? I think that, um, you know, for me, I think that that is probably the most palpable and salient thing to the American public. And I think that is what's like tipped over a lot of these moderate Democrats um, to come out in support of it. And it's actually really interesting because we had some moderate Democrats who had won over Trump districts um, in 2018 that came out for that, uh, came out for impeachment after that happened, um, before actually Representative Dingell came out for impeachment. And so it's really interesting because she came out to say that she supports the impeachment inquiry after the information about the Ukrainian call came out. But right after she voted for... um, uh, to formalize the proceedings, you guys remember that vote, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That like almost everyone voted yes on the Dems. Yeah. Um, she was like, this is pu- purely a procedural vote. 
Um, I haven't made up my mind on impeachment yet, but like I'm just voting yeah. yes Fucking on procedure. <laughs> so and then cool. she said on Fox News, I'm like, what is going on? You know, it's just the thing is like. Why? We're this is a democratic district, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got Ann Arbor, which is like one of the progressive bastions of Midwest. Yeah. Or... I mean Slotkin was on a she was one of the women that were a yes what on that and like her district. That's our district yeah, here. And yeah. it's not it's not nearly Ann Arbor. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> it's fairly I mean she voted yes mm-hmm. on the procedure, but she like went in right after the procedural vote, but went in right afterwards on TV so, saying I'm not sure where I stand on actual impeachment yet, but I just wanted to say we're gonna formalize this impeachment hearing. Um I think it is so telling that these people, like the straw that broke the camel's back was um uh you know like this very idiotic like um you know national security kind of thing like uh you know Alyssa Slotkin is always saying shit like oh uh you know the american handshake should mean something it's like okay you've never cracked a history book also you used to work for the cia so um you know there like there's so much shit that happens but um yeah no it, it's it's uh joe biden's son is crossing the line um for something that he probably actually did yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the locking kids in cages and separating from their parents and the financial corruption. That seems and like, impeachable. That, that seems, seems like a, very good, impeach- a like, good reason to want to remove someone from office. Yeah, I mean, committing, committing, uh, I mean, technically it's committing genocide. It's uh, listed yeah. in, the, in the genocide uh, contracts, removing uh, kids from their parents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, that definitely seems <laughs> quite impeachable. It's There's like an entire generation of children that are going to have... Such severe trauma, yeah. You know, and and I mean, you know, they're not children. They they will be adults. Even adults, with trauma. Too. The children, adults, like yeah. all of them are going to come out of this with trauma. Oh, I mean, doubt. yeah. Like, there's, I mean, <clears throat> what's happening at the border is just insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah, it really is, and it's something that is. Um, I mean, it's totally inhumane. And um, it shouldn't be happening in this country. You know, uh, many of these people, like, we can't imagine the terrible, just devastating situations that people experience to have to come and try to, like, seek asylum. Yeah. In, because in, of us. Yeah, in large part because of because our foreign of policy. Us. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we're, we're adding fuel to the fire down there. And then, like, somehow we're, like, you punishing the people here. that are running for their lives here. It's, it's insane. Are you uh, are you willing to tell us who you are supporting for president in 2020? Um, it's a... Deeply held secret. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 100% Bernie Sanders. <laughs> that, is, that is the correct answer. <laughs> you win. <laughs> yeah, we have a prize. There we go. Do I get a new car? <laughs> Energy um, efficient? Electric vehicle? <laughs> healthcare, maybe. Healthcare, maybe. <laughs> we, we are adding your li- your name to the list of people who are in the, uh, you know, Andrew Yang raffle. Oh, $1,000 a month would not hurt this campaign. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, what um, one of the things that I've been asking uh, people on this show who are supporting Sanders, um, I guess, or I guess supporting anyone, but... Why what... do you hate women? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, that's not the fucking question. That's always the first question for a Bernie uh, supporter, right? Well, I, I am curious yeah. what you see as the fundamental differences between Sanders and Warren. Yeah. You know, I think that Bernie's policies, it's just for me, I'm just such a like, well, what is this guy, what is this person going to do for us kind of person, right? And then, I mean, Bernie Sanders wants to eliminate all student debt. I mean, like, I have over, 
$100,000 of debt and two years from medical school. You know, I would really appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders is unapologetic in his um, Medicare for All vision. He was the one who wrote the damn bill, right? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, um, you know, I think uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, who I actually really like too, I'm going to be honest. I think she's really great. But I think that she's given herself a little bit more leeway rhetorically in terms of try how she might implement Medicare for All. Um, I think, uh, you know... With um, there's a great deal of difference in the climate policies. The you climate said that, policy, yeah, yeah. yeah you said that was like one of your top issues. About. Yeah, so like Elizabeth Warren's uh, or Bernie Sanders' policy really is going to spend um, a lot of money, also trying to help other countries um, reduce their carbon in footprint because we, as a uh, heavily polluting country, have been able to create a lot of material wealth from our decades of pollution that uh, some more developing countries are just starting to be able to um, participate in um, in order to create wealth for their economies. Um, and so a lot of these countries are saying, well, you know, you guys have been polluting this whole time. What the heck? And now you guys are the super wealthy nation. Like, <laughs> we're trying to get our people out of poverty. And so Bernie Sanders has focused on, well, that's a completely valid point where you need to yeah. we need to make sure that we tackle climate change which is a global problem by helping you also bring helping you develop countries like come onto uh energy um clean energy as well as trying to figure out how to uh help you guys um improve the wealth of your countries as well yeah otherwise you're essentially just like fucking ruining the world and you're like okay Chop, chop, guys. Let's let's get our shit together. No more factories, anyone. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. everyone. Uh, yeah. Just uh, yeah, you can't leave everyone behind. I think that's one of uh, the one of the big reasons I support uh, Bernie is just because of his international vision. Oh, it's always um, broader than America, and I, I feel like as a as an American, I can't in like good conscience vote for um, a candidate without. Uh, you know, looking at how uh, their policies are going to affect people overseas because we have such a huge impact overseas. Yeah, um, we and, have a whole fucking empire. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge, <laughs> uh, massive yeah. empire. So yeah, and uh, so it's it it's important to me to have somebody who's and honestly, um, you know, I supported him back in 2016. And I yeah. think that this was one of his issues that he wasn't as good on in 2016. He didn't quite have that internet. I mean, he his his foreign policy was still better than uh the status quo yeah um but it wasn't quite uh, a better foreign policy than hillary clinton uh, yeah i mean she it's... was she was the secretary of state she had so much experience yeah yeah very qualified no but I, like i, I want to say one more thing about bernie Gaddafi. the thing is uh, <laughs> 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 hashtag, um, <laughs> uh i want to say one more thing about bernie which is that you know honestly i probably i would definitely would not be running if it wasn't for bernie sanders um I don't think AOC would have ran if it wasn't for Bernie Sanders. You know, yeah. like, mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders, all these ideas that all these candidates have, those are Bernie's ideas. You know, so yeah. he's the one that was brave enough, uh, courageous enough to unapologetically point out the failings of our current systems and saying there is another way and we can change this. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think he's he's the godfather of the progressive vision. And if it wasn't for him... Um, uh, like we wouldn't probably not be having this conversation today. Yeah, I don't think we'd have the squad, and a lot of the squad, I don't think would be uh, elected. Not. Yeah, definitely not. You know, it's interesting, and I was thinking about that earlier because my mother had said something to me about like, oh, well, you might not like this, but electability matters. I was like, okay, well, this is kind of in my mind a made-up thing because <sighs> you know you you essentially decide who's electable by you know 
trying saying to guess that, what yeah, other people just are going like to vote for. Just like saying that right. they are until it becomes true. Um, actually, it's kind of like manifesting, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> A little bit. But uh, you know, I said, okay. So what? What? Is, what tangible quality does someone who is electable have? And she said, like, well, you know, they have Centrist. to. They have to be. <laughs> they have to be able to lead. Yeah. And I, I didn't think of this at the time, but it occurred to me, like. Bernie Sanders is literally leading the entire party right now. He's leading know? this whole country. Yeah, he's leading the whole country. He's the most transformative politician in my lifetime, and he's not yeah. even president. Yeah. And, you know, he, he pretty much the Democratic platform is trying to reconcile with the fact that everyone wants what he is offering. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's... I, I don't know what else a leader has to do to be uh, electable. Yeah, yeah, it's proven. And I it's know. kind of a. Uh, I was gonna say it's kind of a. You know, you're talking about how you know he inspired AOC, and it's like it's actually creating like um, a cataclysmic effect because uh, him running inspired AOC, and at the at the rally in uh, Queens. Um, Tiffany Caban, I don't know if you know uh, who she is. She was a, she ran for a district attorney out there, and she was talking about how um, she was inspired by AOC's run. Yeah. So you have, and I was inspired so by have, AOC's run. So it's like you have Bernie Sanders inspiring these people to run, and when they run and they win, they're yeah. inspiring other people, yeah, and it's just yeah. like this. This it's a movement effect. Oh, a thousand percent. It's the domino effect that Henry Kissinger was afraid of. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question that I want to yes. ask you. What do you think of Doctor Oz? You know, I'm going to say this is the first time anyone has ever asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, in a larger sense, I suppose, if you want to take it seriously, um, like supplements and all that kind of uh, the galaxy brained yeah. health advice yeah shit. honestly i don't spend that much time thinking about dr oz i'm gonna be honest um <laughs> damn that's probably the healthy thing to do about Dr. Phil? i also don't have time to watch that <laughs> <laughs> what fake doctors do you care about um i i you know i mean i have to spend so much time with real doctors i don't have time to spend time <laughs> dr seuss doctors. yeah dr <laughs> seuss yeah he did go to my school though oh really yeah really? okay yeah. Dr. Theodore Seuss Theodore Geisel Theodore Geisel yeah. yeah he's canceled though <laughs> what um, have you never seen his uh, uh, World mm. War Two propaganda illustrations America first what, uh, well actually no that was that was a pretty good one because he equated America first with Nazism uh, the more problematic ones are uh, about the Japanese people oh. Yikes. So, Good to know. <laughs> yikes. Yo, so he's in the I, gi I give that a yikes. Uh, <laughs> folks. With an X. Yeah, right? You always got to get the X on that, folks. Folks. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this up really briefly uh, just because I, uh, I thought it was really funny. Um, you're, uh, you and Debbie Dingle are not the only ones running for the seat. Uh, you have uh, you have one challenger uh, named uh, Anthony Carbonaro. Um, and like the pasta. <laughs> almost like the pasta. I love that pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, I, I, was, I was just taking a look at his Facebook. Um, uh, his, his, like, his uh, for Congress Facebook page. Not his okay, personal Facebook. Okay, I thought you were talking about his personal page. <laughs> uh, uh, he, like has this, he has this... Um, <laughs> he has this post, uh, this long fucking post about how he came to support Bernie Sanders. And I'm not going to read it all. 
because uh, it's really long. But there were some, there were a couple things in it that I thought were really funny. Like um, he said that he said I believed Mr. S- Mr. Sanders was a deep state insider <laughs> who was ushering along the next phase of the new world order. Hell, oh yes. wow, mm. oh my god, people give the deep state way too much credit. Yeah. Like, uh, you think the government can achieve all that stuff? Like nah. uh, <laughs> they're not that competent. No. They're not, and that, like that takes way too much coordination. Yeah. <laughs> he, he also admitted in this post that in 2016 he voted for Donald Trump because he promised to quote clean the swamp. It's not even. <laughs> it's not even the slogan. Uh, <laughs> Donald prom. Donald promised to clean up the corruption and stop the push for the globalization, which reporters such as Alex Jones have been fighting oh my for God, years. I was just about to say he's. It, I was just about to say this guy sounds like an Alex Jones guy, and then you said it. Globalist, and then you said it. AKA the Jews. Uh, have been trying to create a mass migration of immigrants. And, you know, that's why I support Bernie Sanders, because he's one of the good <laughs> Jews who's going to make sure that Israel exists for when, uh, you know, all of us real believers, you know, get teleported. Get teleported right to up. heaven. Yeah. <laughs> right there, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, he, he has this long post about how he came to supporting Bernie Sanders. Literally, the first comment on this post asks, what did you go to jail for? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. God, that campaign's over faster than Deval Patrick's. His response response to this this question is, I sent you a personal message. Oh, no! Oh, Oh, no. Well, so it's uh, you and Debbie. Yeah. (laughs) You You don't think Mr. Pasta has a chance? I... (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> Never underestimate how much people love pasta in this country, though. <laughs> what, what, what did you say? A chance at what? Going back to jail or going to Congress? <laughs> well, Yoik. I don't know what you went to jail for, so I couldn't tell you the recidivism rate. <laughs> Alex Jones also sells supplements. That's true, he does. Uh, also a fake doc- doctor. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't think he claims to be a doctor. Alex Jones. I, I, Dr. Alex I, Jones. Dr. Alex Jones. What'd you say? Is that his next thing after he got kicked off social media? He's got he's going to go make a supplement company? Or oh, no, no, no. no that's, 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 that's his whole media. shtick. Oh, that's his whole shtick. Well, his, yeah, his show is like yeah, a front. It's how he got yeah. so red, you know? He yeah. shows those pictures of like before <laughs> and after, and he's so much redder. Wow. Yeah, you too can look like a MAGA hat. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you can look like a I have a hot dog. A cooked hot dog. Yeah, like basically his show is like a front so that he can sell like these like supplements and vitamins uh, that lets men be like real men or some shit like that. Like alpha, (laughs) like alpha wolves or something like that. Well, capitalism and toxic masculinity nicely, you know, melded together. It's great because if you're a real man, you have to take supplements for it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, to be fair to Alex Jones, though, probably more people have taken his advice on uh, uh, supplements or uh, uh, inoculation vaccination um, than most real doctors so you know that's a bummer yeah disappointing is he also anti-vaccine 
Oh, oh, definitely. I, uh, I mean, I, I mean, never, every conspiracy I've theory. I've never heard of him, or I've never heard him saying it. But it's like you hear him talk about anything, you're like, oh, this guy definitely thinks that there's like there's not a conspiracy theory he doesn't like. Yeah, hmm. like they're, I mean, oh, they're gonna put nanobots in your blood and then turn you into a gay frog or whatever. Yeah, no, no, they're putting chemicals <laughs> in the water that are turning the friggin' frogs gay. <laughs> that's oh my god, that's, that's so, a real quote. I'm fluoride. That's what fluoride. That's what fluoride. Does. Yeah. <laughs> what's your like upbringing that you feel like gives you like a, I don't know, like what's your, you know, it's, what's the personal side of your story, I guess. You know, we don't hear that from Bernie. I want to hear that from you. What do you got? Uh, so it's actually really interesting because you guys didn't ask me what the heck is a medical student doing running for Congress. Yeah. Um, and uh, that is a question I get quite a lot. Well, um, you seem more qualified than most congressmen. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, hey. you have to pass the MCAT and do pretty well <laughs> on it in order to go to medical school. So I'll say that much. Um, there you go. So, uh, no, but it's actually really interesting because when I was younger, I um, was really, uh, you know, very passionate about trying to think about how we could address some of these big problems in our society. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll go into politics, maybe I'll go into government, because um, these issues seem like they need to be addressed by, like, structurally, right? It's something mm -hmm. that only the government is able to do. But then I realized, oh, wait, the government is never going to do anything. You, you can't count on them to get anything done in order to, like, try to solve some of our problems. So um, I because they're all just bought by big business. You know, mm -hmm. just, they're just bought by, like, corporate interests and i had no interest in being a corporate shill so i was like well i guess i can't so you, do politics you don't, you don't have like jp morgan chase you know writing your checks uh, you know, nothing from exxon mobile it's weird i feel like they would not be into my campaign i don't know why but i'm just getting like a vibe <laughs> but um <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't hit up the clinton list of campaign donors <laughs> uh, that's what i'm doing on the drive back <laughs> but anyway so they uh but that essentially um, so I like just became super disheartened and then I was like, well, I, I mean, I still kind of want to make the world a better place and try to try tackle some of these issues. So, um, I did some other stuff, uh, to try to figure out how we can, how we can affect some change. And ultimately I ended up in medical school because I was like, well, you know, as a doctor, I can at least help people heal, make people healthier. And maybe we can try to figure out how to change our terrible healthcare system from the inside out. Um, but I feel like times are changing now, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we were talking about before with like Bernie Sanders descending from the clouds as a wizard that he is. And then, um, <laughs> and then AOC and everyone else. <laughs> um, and you know, just now, uh, we're seeing showing that, that path is possible. Yeah. Showing that that path is possible. And we can't have people, politicians who are leaders, right. And who are actually saying like, this is what we need because people are, can't deal with this crap any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, like I said, with climate change, right? Like that really was something that freaks me out like profoundly. And I was thinking, well, we, people are like, well, why didn't you just wait until you were like a, a doctor? And then when you were done with medical school or, you know, redistricting is happening. Why didn't you just wait until it was redistricted? You know, um, mm. uh, someone just asked me that question earlier today. And I'm like, do we have two more years to wait around for yeah. uh, a politically convenient time mm -hmm. to try to go and tackle climate change? We don't. Right. You know, There's I can't. No. I can't waste twenty percent of the time left to cut our whole world's emissions in half by, tw by within the ten or twelve years left we have, um, because it was a politically inconvenient time. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, but like that's kind of that's just kind of yeah. We kind of can't wait until the oceans reach Ohio. This yeah. isn't a report that you put off until the night before, and then you snorted 60 milligrams of Adderall. 
<laughs> like I know all of our listeners do. Uh, look, I love procrastination as much as the next person. You know, like, don't get me wrong, but like, and we have been procrastinating when it comes to this. No, and yeah. we are at the night before we, the test. This is, right? the <laughs> before the fucking test. this is the hour before the test. <laughs> and you don't know what class it is. You know? <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. I can't get the image of uh, Bernie Sanders floating in like a, in a bubble like Belinda the Good Witch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's pretty much exactly what happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So people that uh, are interested in your campaign, do you guys have a website or uh, Facebook or, you know, got a, I'm sure you guys got a donation link ready or something uh, uh, or working on um, that? No. Uh, no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's SolomonRajput.com. So it's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-R-A-J-P-U-T.com. I don't know how this is going to work, but. Your name is going to be in the title. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to go there, uh, there's, you know, our issues. Um, as well as a link to donate if, if people are so inclined. This is a grassroots campaign. Of course, you're not taking any corporate PAC money. Um, and also, we are... So how are we going to win this campaign? Another question that um, normally people ask, but you guys didn't. Which oh, is, that's a good question. How yeah. are you going to win that campaign? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's very insightful. Well, it's usually like that. whenever... I mean, we we only talk to candidates who, you know, have, you know, like a long shot, right? We only right. we only talk to people... <laughs> <laughs> like most of the people that we support are people who have a are long road ahead of you telling me I have a long you shot? Ask, <laughs> you don't ask the wow. Thank you. Because <laughs> they won't. A couple weeks ago, we talked to the, we talked to the guy who was running against Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> oh, really? That's yeah. badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, I think he has a shot. I think so too. Yeah. You guys are gonna think I have a shot when I tell you what our plan is. So our plan is we're going to build a big army of committed young people to go out there and talk to all the voters. I think you have a shot. Yeah. Awesome. We have six universities in our district. Um, part of the reason why it's so confusing as to why Congresswoman Dingle does not support making college free, eliminating student debt. Um, so we get some points with that. Oh yeah, we do because, uh, it's, it's things that affect people in our, in our district. Right. And you should be able to, um, clean up on more college votes, uh, this year, given the changes made in 2018, because now you have the no reason absentee, which is so more college students will be able to vote uh, on campus and not have to worry about like registering, um, like 30 days ahead of time also, because Mm -hmm. now you have the whole, uh, you know, same day registration, which is great. Um, because it's, Having to register 30 days before is purely a voter suppression method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're building this, uh, we're going to build this huge army of young people who are going to go out there and talk to voters in this district. Um, and uh, the great thing is that uh, a grassroots campaign is also the the most effective campaign. If you can, the most effective way to get people that want to come out and vote is to talk to them, you know, go knock on their door. Um, 100%. And yeah, it's great. And, you know, our campaign is two months in and we already have so many people who are coming on as interns and as fellows. And so if people are listening, um, I know there's probably a lot of young people who are listening. Um, we would absolutely love for them to go on our website and fill out an application to become a fellow. It takes less than a minute. Um, and then everyone who does that gets to meet with me and we'll walk them through the campaign. Um, if they want, if they're seriously interested in like, you know, becoming a committed part of this campaign at a pretty reasonable time commitment of like minimum eight hours, um, eight to 12 hours as an intern and 12 to 15 hours as a fellow. So it's a, it's a good situation. Um, and we get, we're getting a lot of people and we're, we're talking to a lot of voters really quickly. It's crazy. It's crazy. People are already like knowing who I am and we are primaries in nine months, which is like, a that's good great. Of time. Yeah. It's awesome. What, what date I mean, is the primary? August 4th. August 4th. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Outside of losing your anonymity. 
That'll be interesting. Yeah, that part yeah. does suck, but it's the price you pay to have a stable climate. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I guess I won't die. Shucks. Shucks. <laughs> At least now we can have kids and not feel guilty about their future. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, uh, heaven forbid you're one of those politicians where people yell at you in a restaurant. I guess you'll have to just like, you know, not be a fascist or something. Right. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. You know, I think like, you know, when you're somebody like uh, tough tough Stephen Miller or like Mitch McConnell or something like that, Sarah Huckabee. Huckabee, Yeah. You get uh, shouted at. And if you're like AOC or Bernie Sanders, you get cheers. And it's kind of weird how that happens. Mm -hmm. It's as if if one kind of politician represents the people. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. I wonder which one it is. I wonder. <laughs> we'll have to do a study. <laughs> who can, who can we'll say find out next episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Heritage Foundation. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're, we're out of time now, but uh, Solomon, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure getting to talk to you. Yeah, this has been awesome. Yeah. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah we'd, uh, please uh, come back again sometime. 100%. You'll have to come back when you win. Absolutely. August 5th. well uh thanks everyone for uh listening to this week's episode make sure you subscribe to our show on spotify apple podcasts stitcher google play wherever else you get podcasts make sure to rate and review us because it'll help new people find our show uh go like us on facebook at state of the revolution you can follow us on twitter at sotr pod you can email email us at sotrpod at gmail.com send us your questions comments and threats uh also you can subscribe to us on patreon at patreon.com slash michigan progressive i'm Benjamin Klon, Zachary Reinhardt, Matthias Brimmer. Cool. We'll see you guys uh, again sometime soon. Bye.